watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join Coach C, a USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete. The goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Welcome to our fourth show. This evening is very special because we have with us three former ECU football players who are now pastors within their own ministries. Uh, they're also members of our Armored Life team. Tonight, we want to share some strategies to be considered to target methods of adapting to the rigors and challenges of the athletic experience. Pastor Leonard Henry is located in Clinton, North Carolina. Youth Pastor Pernell Griffin is located in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. And Pastor Brian Moss with us is in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, each one of these men possesses an extraordinary commitment to their respective ministries. You will notice that it's truly gratifying to listen to and absorb the wisdom that they all have the ability to convey. Without further ado, let's kick it off with Pastor Brian Moss. Here with you guys, I, I'm very excited about what you're doing and the work that God has put on your heart. And uh, if I'm honest with you, I'm glad you let me go first. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on the call with 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 two other ECU Hall of Famers, and uh, uh, I got a chance to do a. Let me see how I can put it this way: to do a whole lot of watching of these other two guys uh, during my time at East Carolina University. Uh, it was a pleasure to be on their team. You have uh, on every college program, you have uh, a, a whole bunch of athletes. And some of us are what you call or were what you call uh, all Americans and all conference and all world athletes who were able to go to the other level. And then some of us or what you call scout team all Americans. Amen. We used to wear Pernell out Monday through Friday. And then on Saturday, he got to get on the field and wear them out. Amen. Uh, but we, we I had a great time doing my time with these guys at East Carolina University. And the Lord brought me into ministry shortly after my time uh, at ECU. I went on the seminary and uh, graduated. I served about nine years in ministry in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, and then the Lord brought me in 2011 to Fort Worth, Texas, where I serve as a pastor at the Lake Como Church. And uh, I'm excited about what God is doing. Awesome. Uh, Pernell, give us a few things about your ministry and uh, what you're doing right now. All right. Once again, guys, uh, such a blessing, uh, God, to be before you. Uh, I'm currently the uh, youth pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church um, right here in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. The uh, senior pastor overseer is uh, Dr. Thomas L. Walker. Um, took uh, my appointment on, in uh, February of 2016. Uh, currently what we're doing now is uh, rebuilding uh, the youth department. Um, there were uh, some things that took place, uh, transitions that took place uh, that allowed me to uh, to accept this appointment that God has called me to. Um, just uh, excited to see what God is doing. Um, been, like I said, once again, been doing this for six years. Um, my experience at ECU um, was a great experience. Had opportunity to play against uh, Leonard doing uh, team inside drills and- man, one on ones Yeah, and one-on-ones. Um, you know, those guys, man, made me better. And I, I pray that I made those guys better. And uh, like Ma said, you know, my freshman year, I was a scout team, what he called All-American also. And every, anytime we got a chance to disrupt what the offense was doing, then that's what we would do. And sometimes it would end in fighting, um, but, you know, <laughs> it, 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 sometimes it would end in friendly fire. <laughs> but, but, but through it all, man, you know, we've uh, endured. Um, you know, we allow God to do what he, he's done in our lives to bring us to this point. Um, never thought in a million years I'd be where I am. 
Uh, so that just lets you know it's not, you know, how you start out, but it's how um, you're able to finish and uh, just just receive, you know, the gifts that God has for us. So uh, I'm glad to be here, Coach Connors, uh, Leonard Moss, man. Um, looking to to have an exciting time on the day. Yes, sir. Well, Leonard, you're you're you are a veteran in our podcast here. We're about, we're wearing you out, but uh, uh, just go ahead and introduce yourself again, and just talk and just say a little bit about your your career at ECU, and then a little bit beyond that, if you would. What's going on, B. Moss and um, Pete Griffin, man, and Coach Connors? It's a it's a beautiful platform that God has given Coach Connors. First of all, I got to praise God for Coach C, um, just to see how God is moving in his life. I remember back in April, all that we're doing right now was was basically a vision that God had gave Coach C and to see it come to pass with podcasting. Because I remember Coach Connors telling me, then I don't know nothing about podcasts, technologies, and, and all this stuff, but God is going <laughs> to give me the resources and put the right people around me. And it's just amazing how quickly this ministry has taken off and the impact that it has made, which which leads all of us into knowing that the Lord is soon to come, that ministries are no longer taking 25, 30 years to establish themselves and to make an impact in people's lives. I'm talking about in months, God will anoint it, appoint it, approve of it, and it would reach the masses of people. So um, I'm just excited to be on this platform as one of these men of God here today. We just started a church in back home in Clinton, Kingdom Life Fellowship back in April. God has really blessed us once again, as I was saying about Coach um, Connor's ministry. In a short amount of time, the Lord has really blessed us. Um, I'm the pastor there, and it's just a beautiful ministry and how God is just feeding those people. I've always asked the Lord, I said, God, if you just give me a church, I'll give the people you, and um, and I'll make you the CEO of that church. And so it's just been a beautiful thing. Going back to what Brian Moss said about the scout team and, of course, Pernell, these guys don't know, Coach Connors, that um, a couple of years ago, before I became a pastor, I watched their their walk with God from afar through Facebook, um, through what God was doing in their local churches. And literally, guys, you guys paved the way for me because I was like, God, it's amazing how you're using my brothers who was once on the battlefield um, competing, um, of course, in football. But now we're on the battlefield for the Lord. And I watched Brian and I watched Pernell just grow in their churches in their perspective way. So, guys. I love y'all, man, and I thank God for what y'all been doing and y'all want with God and keep up. But I, I was watching. Trust me. Really bless you, man. Thank y'all. Yeah, bless you, man. Well, just seeing you guys really just gives me chills, you know, just the, uh, you know, how, how you've kind of transformed yourselves through your careers uh, in into a ministry, and it's just it's such a beautiful thing, and it has so much power. And... Uh, I'm excited about it, and my wife always tells me you're talking too loud. So I'm going to try to get not not too excited on this podcast. <laughs> I can get really fired up about this. I ain't going to lie to you, uh, but you know, uh, I wanted to cry when I was at, at Carolina, and we had to play ECU, and and I seen Purnell out there, and Leonard out there, and uh, all the people that I love so much and spend so much time with, but. I mean, I love the boys I was working with, too, because I worked with them for a whole year. So I, I, and I was just, uh, I was beside myself, actually. But it was a crazy experience, uh, very unique. I'm going to mention a few things now uh, to preface what we want to talk about a little bit. Uh, I'm going to mention, mention, mention some uh, primary topics. First would be education through God's word. The second would be edification through God's word. The third would be spiritual warfare, how we become equipped and armor ourselves in our daily battle. And I'm talking about athletes here when I'm mentioning these things. Uh, I guess every team has uh, one of these life skills guys. Now. And we had uh, young was there for a long time at ECU, uh, and his responsibility was to pray, uh, possibly lead the Lord's Prayer after practice or a short message, and then have a meal at his house. And, uh, you know, so that was the extent of it. And 
you know, I always look at the schedule that you guys had, uh, which was wake up in the morning, uh, go to breakfast or train first and then eat breakfast, go to class, classes, go to lunch, uh, go to practice, go to dinner, and then go to study hall or tutor. Mm-hmm. So you had such a rigorous schedule every single day. So that was one of the challenges. So when you come in with the freshman class and you say, okay, I'm here with these 25 guys. Then you get to your senior year and you look around and you count how many people you came in with. There's about six people left. And so I always wonder, like, how does that happen? Where do these people go? What happens to them? And it, it always used to really, uh, you know, what can we do to keep people in the program? Uh, what are the things that we need to address? So if you were imagining yourselves to be one of these life skills people, these however you want to refer to it as a team chaplain. Uh, When these people come in, you get your 25 freshmen. What are some of the things that you're going to start out with in relationship to education, for instance? Anybody can jump in. Well, I'll start by saying that um, it's amazing now that technology is what it is now. I mean, how technology is a tool. Um, In the days that we were going over to Chuck's house, and I I giggled because it's amazing how, to be honest, we were just going over there for free food. (laughs) But but, but here's the thing, though. The flesh was hungry for that chicken, but the spirit was taking in what Chuck was saying. Because we, we would hear his message, obviously, uh, we knew the Lord, but we were not serving him because we would leave Chuck's house and go directly downtown to party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chuck was sowing that seed. <clears throat> he was literally sowing that seed. And to go back to what you were saying, how do we engage with those 25 freshmen that gets, you know, becomes a part of the team? I feel that the tools that God has blessed us with now, such as technology, that there, there has to be a way that we can reach them through that because they do have a busy schedule, study hall, practice, weightlifting. They, I mean, their day is just stretched. And in so many ways, um, technology is a great tool to be able to, um, to be able to use to reach them. I can sit right here in my carport and we have this app called Church App or Church Connect. I can text message every member or call them with just one simple text and it goes out to all of them. I can send Bible verses. I can send reminders of the message. So I think ways, uh, one of the ways is through technology. And you get a development chime in. I think um, for me, guys, one of the, one of the things that uh, would be important to add along with technology is a, is a personal touch. I would, as, as I was thinking about this, I would try to develop a team to serve that that team of 25 uh, young men or young women, uh, depending on the sport. What I mean by a team is I will pull people from the community so that there can be a personal touch. Because a lot of times, uh, I know at least in my experience, when when my time for football came to an end, I was completely lost. I had spent the first 22 years of my life playing football, and that's all I knew. And then over overnight, one injury, and that was the end of my football career. And I didn't know how to stay in school. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know anything outside of what football provided for me. Uh, Pastor Leonard said something about using tools, but I would also try to encourage them to understand that football is a tool as well. Football is a tool that we should all use to the best of our ability. I would teach them that football was a tool. Um, And, what also what I would do is I would try to work from the beginning with the end in mind. Okay. 
So what I mean by the end, from the from their first day, I would tell them football was going to come to an end at some point. Football is going to come to an end. So in your time here, you got to be working toward what are you going to do after football? Give football everything you got and then some. But no, even if you make it to the highest level, football is going to come to an end. And when it does, football should prepare you for that too. Right. Right. Yeah, I think I think for me, uh, Coach C, I, I kind of caught on a little late. And, and the reason why I said that is to echo what Leonard said regarding uh, spiritual food and physical food. Um, I didn't know what the intent of Chuck was, to be honest with you. Um, I was in church, um, but church wasn't in me. Mm. Um, and like and like he mentioned, you know, I was there for, you know, physical nourishment, not knowing that my spirit man was being fed and also knowing that my spirit man is renewed day by day. So. Mm. The, the, the platform uh, that I would use would probably be focused on uh, discipline and, and self-control. Um, there, there were a lot of, a lot of places, you know, that I had to visit, well, not had to visit, but there were a lot of places that I went that I shouldn't have any business going, but it was because I didn't have any uh, self-control. I didn't have any discipline um, in my life um, in which I was dedicated and committed to. Yes, you know, I went to, uh, uh, morning workouts uh yes you know i, I attended all of the uh, activities that you guys had for us as student athletes but at the same time i found a way to uh partake in some things that you know i, I wasn't supposed to be partaking in and so and that that comes with discipline and a balance you know paul talked that you know we have a purpose and there's a prize that we must achieve uh, a, a crown that lasts forever and in order for us to be able to achieve that, um, he told us how we should beat our bodies into subjection um, right. and, under, and understanding that physical training and spirit, spiritual training is needed um, in order to obtain that crown. And so like Moss had mentioned, I would you know, piggyback on Moss and say that you know, football and training, it, it goes hand in hand. Um, if, if you want to be uh, at the climax uh, of your athletic career, then you got to do some things outside of what you had to offer Coach C in order to develop that even the more. There were times where I had mentioned before about, you know, making 300 or what have you. I had to actually uh, do some more exercising. I had to do some additional running. So at, at the point of time when the heat got up to 100 or over 100 degrees, I needed to make sure that my body was prepared for that, that ninth or that eighth or that ninth 300 that we had to run. Not to mention, you know, we had other guys that were oftentimes get in trouble and we would have to pay the penalty uh, for their mistakes. <laughs> so so I, I would say uh, discipline, man, and self-control really, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. but that, that really taught me um, how to, you know, be committed, not only as a person, but as a, a student athlete. Right. P, you can't say 300s, man. That's a sin, man. That's a sin, boy. <laughs> Look, I'll say one ten. Yeah, one ten. I tell you, man, three hundreds. Mention them right now, dude. I start thinking, boy, they they did mentally, man. And Coach C, you knew that. You knew mentally what it was doing for us, man. Oh, I love you for that, though. Yeah. Well, man. You know, I mean. I was always thinking about spiritual, emotional, and mental development. You know, that's something I've always tried to think about. And it's something I thought about when I was playing in college all the time is, you know, I wanted to, uh, I wanted it to mean more to me than the next guy. So I could gain some kind of advantage. And uh, I wanted to have more enthusiasm and more spirit than anybody on the team. And, and when we did conditioning, I wanted to be first. And, I, you know, I, I wasn't always first, but I wanted to be first. I tried to be first. And, uh, you know, this was kind of inbred in me very early in my, you know, in my life because my father was my coach. And Western Pennsylvania football was, was very intense, much like, uh, well, much, you know, in the state of North Carolina it is also. And also in Texas, you know, these are, these are all big football states. Uh, you know, I grew up in a coal mining community, and so it was the microcosm of life and the uh, 
an expression of the immigrant experience. Uh, my half my people coming from Ireland, half my people coming from Germany, and some of them couldn't even speak English for a while, you know. So uh, it was that type of thing. Both my grandfather starting in a coal mine at age 12 and putting a, a total of 100 years in the mine. So, uh, so all those things kind of uh, contributed to my approach and my mentality as far as what I wanted to do with the program. I wanted to build men and uh, I wanted us to step on the field and say that nobody could ever out have outworked us. And knowing that, having that confidence uh, because confidence is born of demonstrated ability, of course. And so uh, we gained confidence as as we progressed through the season, I felt, uh, in a lot of those seasons. One of the things that I've noticed about the ECU football team right now is, and I've got a lot of, uh, I've, I've learned to, to uh, respect this defensive coordinator. I really like the way that he prepares for games. And uh, I really love the nature of the pressure, the pressure defense and and the, uh, the importance of fostering a common commitment within a unit or a team, how important that is when you show up every week and every single person has the same commitment. And I think a lot of times if you lose some games or if people are disgruntled because they're not getting playing time, they can become a poison within the team. And, um, uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I really feel like that when you were in our program that we had a lot of camaraderie and we had a lot of agreement uh, in relationship to a common commitment to uh, to the program. So when we talk about agreement, how how's that expressed in the word? You you know the scripture. How can two walk together unless they agree? I think that's Amos. Amos well, tells go. us how can yeah. two walk together unless they agree. <laughs> One of the things yeah. that uh, I learned during my time, you guys were big on that. It, from the weight room uh, to the locker room to on the field, practice field, we we were all marching to the same beat. We were all marching to the same beat. That was so important to see. And then to watch it unfold on the field, to watch it really unfold. You guys remember 99, how hard that season was, not just on the field, but just in life. I mean, it was incredible to see. Uh, I know it was God now, but it was incredible to see how the staff galvanized a group of young men to stay focused on the same commitment through all the things that we experienced in that season of 1999 and, and to finish it the way we did. I just, I just think that, that was absolutely beautiful. And, and uh, I don't think I ever got a chance to say uh, this to any of the coaches, but God bless you for the job you did doing such a trying time. You know, we as, as young boys or, or young men had issues that were being taken care of for us, but you guys were adults. Uh, you guys were grown men with families during that season, during that year. Your houses were flooded. You had insurance concerns. You had children who didn't have a school to go to. We never even thought about it. We never even thought about it. It didn't cross our minds. So thank you guys for the way you showed us how to be men in a crisis uh, by just being there, doing your job, and staying focused and showing us how to do the same. I, Coach C, man, we love you and appreciate you in and Coach Logan and everybody else who was a part of that team. Well, that was certainly a uh, an experience where you learned how to overcome adversity and you learned how to come together and help each other overcome that adversity. When we were down in South Carolina, the wives got together and the secretaries and they all, those were the people that uh, rebuilt and found new apartments and uh, refurnished them and did all that work. And so, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to them because we were still trying to just go through our daily coaching routine to win the next game, you know. So uh, I don't think enough has been said in that particular situation, enough credit given to the wives and the secretaries and those, those individuals that really helped us out as well. 
So if we if we get into just a few specific things here that we see as problematic to the collegiate athlete over and over again, uh, one would be self-respect for the body. Uh, and, you know, we can we can talk about this all day. And, and I think when you're that age and you get to the college, get to college and, and you got a lot of social things going on and uh, you got a lot of influences from all different directions. Uh, it is very difficult to overcome those things at that age. Totally. You, some people deal with it better than others. You have the, you know, the opportunity to go to the clubs. Uh, people, of course, you know, I've mentioned this many times about how many people went by the wayside for smoking marijuana and it's the NCAA, you know, it's against the NCAA rules and, uh, people are going to smoke it anyway. And, uh, you know, in my, when I went to college way back in the seventies, uh, you know, people were smoking it every day back then, but there weren't NCAA rules. And of course I was, I was playing division two ball. So, uh, they're very destructive to the body. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, what kind of strategy could you have to educate people at a higher level or get them to make better decisions where all those things are concerned. And of course you can talk about sex, you can talk about alcohol, you can talk about drugs, but it's, it's always the same things where, you know, where the concerns of the coaching staff is concerned. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe that, you know, self-respect is a choice. I think God has given us all choices and he's given us the ability to make the right choices. And, and I think, you know, a lot of the, the student athletes nowadays, they struggle with having the courage to make the right decisions. They know what the right decisions are, but I think, you know, when you, when you look at peer pressure and when you look at um, the environment that they came from, they feel as though, you know, that gives them a type of status, you know, among people. And a lot of times when they're actually taken out of their environment and placed in a new environment, then what they um, done internally goes with them. So there's, there, there has to be a type of separation, a, a moment, an opportunity where they have to um, know the importance of spending time with God first and foremost daily. Um, I believe that that relationship, spiritual relationship that they've developed with God will strengthen them in those uh, weak areas. Um, as a matter of fact, scripture teaches us um, that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so when we began to focus on those areas that, you know, we lack or that we weaken, such as uh, self-respect, then we have to understand that, you know, Paul teaches about how um, our bodies are being offered up as living sacrifice. Um, it should be holy and acceptable unto God, which is, you know, our reasonable service. And once we get the point across that, they have to understand that it's, it's really not them getting them to where they are, but it's because of the grace and the mercy of God that's allowing them uh, to experience uh, the success that they are experiencing. Because uh, believe it or not, East Carolina is not a low class D1 school. East yeah. Carolina is a blue collar, hardworking university that has student athletes that, that understands the importance of hard work, dedication, commitment, and, and, and you know, the other characteristics that goes along with that. But, you know, when you look at a student athlete and you look at all these things that are coming at them, um, they find themselves, if they're not practicing or applying what they're being taught about spiritual development, then they'll find themselves uh, succumb to um, worldly things such as smoking weed, such as drinking alcohol, such as making these bad choices because spiritually they're not strong enough to resist the temptations that are actually coming their way. Uh, Paul also talked about um, not being conformed or not being uh, uh, conformed or, or, or transformed or conformed to uh, this world about, by, but being ye transformed by the renewing of our minds. That should be an opportunity every day that these young men should wake up, read God's word, begin to pray. They should get up early enough to be able to do this. And I'm not talking about an hour, 30 minutes. Hey, what, you know, start with five minutes. Five minutes will extend that time. And then God's spirit will strengthen you so that you would get up early enough and invest that time into, into him. And we'll see how God will begin to uh, flourish 
and how your life will be able to bless others. I, I and Coach C, I I didn't see this man. I, I didn't see this when I was in college. I you know I, I saw Toma and I saw you know these other guys and I and, you know yeah. I, I went to Chuck and I talked to Chuck man, but it, it was just something in the back of my mind that yeah. just kept me from being all in. <laughs> you know I was kind of you know one foot in, one foot out. You know, I would, I would, I would do this one day, and then the next day I wouldn't do it because I'd be so tired, my mind is gone. And then, you know, another day I would do it. And so, man, just being consistent, you know, being yes. consistent makes a difference. Well, I did that for forty years, so <laughs> consider yourself lucky. <laughs> you know, that's that's why I'm doing this right now, brother. I, you know. I'm, <laughs> Without grace and mercy, I'm nowhere. So, uh, hey, hey, the, piggy, the piggyback off of what Pernell was saying, he said a lot, not only Toma, James Bell. Um, I mean, there was a lot of guys that literally was walking that walk with God. And, of course, we were – a part of us wanted to walk that with them because we knew what was right. And I go back to this. Our parents did the best that they can do to raise us up. But we also know our parents put us in some situations that they exposed us to some things real early in our lives, like alcohol, drinking, all that, all the things right. that we knew were wrong. I mean, I was exposed to alcohol in my house when I was like six or seven because we were, yeah. my mom and dad would sell beer and liquor. We were a little bootlegger around in the neighborhood. So to me, I'm looking at it as if like this is just an ordinary common thing to do is to drink. Yeah. And I think one thing that we did in the NFL when all the rookies went to their respective teams um, in the month of July for three days, they sent all rookies who were drafted out to San Diego to the rookie I'm supposing. And what it did was for three days, former players, I'm talking about guys who lost millions all because they partied it away guys who made bad business decisions, guys who didn't take care of their bodies. Yeah. They came in and they told us the raw version. I mean, as real as it could have been. Bible says that we've overcome the blood of the lamb by the word of our testimony. Sometimes our testimonies, what we've been through, how we overcame and our mistakes. Everybody yeah. see this now in this chapter of our lives. No one saw chapter three, four, five, six, and seven. Everybody's acknowledging us because we are in chapter 10 right now, but they don't yeah. know that at the time that we were not the men of God that we are today. And of course, Amen. all that was because of God's grace. But I think sometimes putting these men, um, connecting them with those who have been there and done that, and those who can be honest with them. And again, it all comes down to them making a choice. You know, P, you, I did watch you though, P while we was there because you were never really that hardcore partying PBs, Texas two-step every blue moon. I would see you out seriously every now and then I would see you downtown, but it wasn't never on a consistent basis. And he was right. You know, one, one night he wanted to party that the next night he's like, I ain't feeling it. man. I just, ain't. he was never really be most. I was kind of ahead of you. So I never really saw you that much. And, I tell you what blew my mind though, um, when I got to Miami, um, and it was different because you you're dealing with grown men. After a game, they would after a game, they would bring a, a whole bucket load of beer in the locker room. And after the game, guys would just walk with it and grab beer, drink it, coaches drink it. I'm sitting there like, huh? Because yeah. I'm thinking like, who wants to see that? Like, I didn't want to see my coach drink. I didn't want to see the offense coordinator. I knew the guys what they did, but that blew my mind, and I was puzzled. Yeah. At like, wow! But I think if you put these guys in the right environment. I think uh, many of them will start thinking. You know, plant that seed in an early process. Right. I just, I just wanted to add two 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 quick things. Um, no, first of all, uh, I was a freshman when these guys were <laughs> were 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 rising stars and seniors, and I. I got to see them when they didn't see me. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I would be in places. I saw them and they didn't see me. Uh, I'm going to leave that right there. But uh, on, on the serious side was 
you know, Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I behaved as a child. I lived like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And so why do I I say that? I say that because to some degree, we got to remember when these kids come on these college campuses, they are just kids. I know when I was 18, probably you guys can can testify. We thought we were grown walking onto this campus at 17, 18 years old. But the reality is we were we were just children. We were just right. children. And yeah. somewhere along the line, we started to grow and develop uh mentally, physically, and spiritually. And so we gotta give, we gotta give them some some modicum of grace um and walk with them through that process. Walk with them through that process. One one of the one of the memories I have of Coach C was, you know, we didn't coming from where I'm from. I, I played uh, my sophomore year in high school. We played against the dark horses of of uh, and, and Leonard Henry and that all star team they had in the state championship. And uh, we thought we had them. We thought we had them bound like Satan had uh, Jesus on that fateful Friday. Uh, but it wasn't long before they got up from the grave like Jesus did and put us away. <laughs> but you know what? What? What I'm getting at is is this. You know, there's a process of growth and development, and I think these kids come along. And I'll go. I mentioned this earlier. They come along, and for the first time, they're away from home. For the first time, they can make all their own decisions. For the first time, they can decide if they're going out, what time they're coming back, if they're going to drink or not drink. And that's why it's so important um, for us to to figure out some kind of way to do exactly what Coach C is doing and create mentoring opportunities for people who have been through this to connect with these young men and women. Um, to, because they're going to fail like we did. They're going to make bad decisions like we did. They're going to have successes like we did. And one of the things that happens is some people handle failure better than they handle success. Yeah. And so there's there's both sides, it, whether you are a high-capacity athlete or a guy who's just getting by, everybody needs somebody walking with them. And I think that will help, help out a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, at times I thought there was some kind of underlying plan to make me into a gangster because I had to listen to Master P all day long. And I, I was starting to become a no-limit soldier and all kinds of crazy stuff I was thinking, man. So, I mean, it was transforming my mind. So I had to uh, get in my car and listen to Christian music on the way home and stuff. <laughs> so, but... Uh, Oh, uh, yeah. But we had some fun, man. No doubt about yeah. it. So, uh, you know, what about teaching these guys you know, how to treat a female? I mean, is there some – what do you guys think about that? Coach, you notice how nobody wants to jump in on that one? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, I, I'll tell you this, Coach, see, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. And you're all you all are all great family men right now. I know that. <laughs> well, I'm I, I'm gonna say this because I don't know who I was gonna watch this. I'm, we're doing I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> See, that's all I can. That's all I can pr- promise you. I'm doing the doing the best I can, and uh, I have not always been as a as a man, as a husband, and as a father, the right. man, husband, and father that I am today. That's been a that's been a journey. Uh, it's been a it's been a process. And uh, I, let me say this about treating a woman. N- number one, uh, when you get to the place where you're looking for a woman to spend the rest of your life with, right? Because yeah. that yeah. is a, a place that we arrive at. Be grateful when God gives you one. Be grateful because, you know, as athletes, as men who have always been, everybody on this call is a good enough athlete to where most of your life, you were the center of your world. Yeah. And everybody treated you like that. Yeah. And then you found that one woman who didn't care if you were a football player or not. She, yeah. she didn't care who you were on campus. And and something about that kind of woman was attractive to all of us uh, on, on this call. They could call our character into question. They could, they could humble us in a way that didn't humiliate us. Okay. And at the same time, they have been patient with us as we've grown into the men that we are today. 
So let me let me just give a shout out to the First Lady of Lake Como Church of Christ, my wife, for right. being a beautiful woman, being patient with me. Now, how does a man supposed to treat a woman like that, right? Understand it's a good thing if God gives you a woman. And you yeah. should treasure, you should honor her, you should love her, you should respect her. Um, and 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 know really that she is a gift. Yeah. Right. That that if there's a if there's a real woman, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about any woman. If God gives you a wife, all right, let me say it that way. When God gives you a wife, a woman that you want to spend your time with, to grow and develop a family with, yeah. there's a certain way you need to talk to her, certain way you need to protect her, certain way you need to lead her spiritually, um, and in all the other areas of your life. I think all those things are important. But here, here's what God says uh, in Ephesians 5. He says, husbands, love your wives. So you have to ask the question, why did God tell a husband to love his wife? It seems like that would go without saying that a husband loves his wife. What he was saying is, you got to dwell with her according to knowledge. Get to know her in a way that you can treat her in a way that communicates love to her and she will be the best thing that ever happened to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone uh, else have something agree. they want to jump in on there? Yeah. Well, you know, I would just, uh, you know, echo uh, what Moss said regarding uh, loving your wives and respecting them. Um, like I said here again, for me, um, it, it, it was about uh, application and repetition. I mean, just, just to be honest with you. Um, I was a person um, in which, you know, I was I was groomed and, and respecting women. Um, I understood what it meant to respect a woman. I understood what it meant um, not to disrespect women, not to devalue them, not to call them outside of their name, not to put my hands on them, um, but to protect them. Um, that's that was just in what my father and my mother taught me. Now, I understand, you know, some of the student athletes may not have that individual in their lives to teach and to instruct them in a way to uh, make sure that they're taking care and valuing women because that's all they see. They see the Rick Rosses, you know, they, they see uh, some of these, you know, other rappers, Wale or, or, or what have you, you know, degrading or disrespecting women. And they feel like that's the way to go because these guys making millions and they're looking at, you know, their economic status and they're looking at uh, the chains and and, and the gold teeth and, and, and the things that, that are shiny, they're looking at these things and they're drawn you know, to these things as some type of uh, status. But man, I, I tell you, my wife um, was the best decision that I ever made. She has been so, she has been so patient with me. Man, she's been so submissive because I did what Ma said, because I, I loved her, because I love her. And that, that comes here again with spending time with God and being in a relationship with him so that spiritually and mentally I'm able to love her that way. There's a certain type of conviction that sets in when you spend time with God because then you'll be looking for the things that God looks for. You'll be concerned with what the things that God is concerned with. And his concern is family. As a matter of fact, that's our first ministry, family. Uh, when, you, when you're talking about um, being in a marriage and when you're talking about having children and raising children and then understanding that those children are actually looking at you guys um, as an example on what love is. And I tell you, um, I, I, I've never um, experienced a love like the one that I have now, man. Um, through my mistakes, through my shortcomings, um, through some of the things that I've said, not using curse words or what have you, but some of the things that I've said and, and my wife just being there, you know, right. and, and just uh, being able to comfort me when I'm wanting to turn into an incredible hope. You know, she, she's my peace. And, and I tell yeah. you, man, when you, when you don't have peace in your home, um, there, there's com there, there comes an unstableness. There comes a, a place where you don't even want to go. So, you know, I'm thankful for her, but yeah, uh, just being being repetitious, man, and like I said, carving out that time, uh, making yeah. a choice, making a decision, man, to spend that time with God, man. It makes it makes a world of difference. Well, uh, 
we're probably what I want to do is I want to have a a part two to this because we can talk about so many things. We could probably be on here for five hours, but we got one hour. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I enjoy talking to you guys so much. I, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm sitting around a campfire somewhere and we're just reminiscing. And, uh, you know, it's so great, you know, uh, because you guys lift me up just listening to you. Uh, so um, I think we, we, we hit on some, some important topics. And of course, you know, when some of these guys get it, get in their collegiate career, even as freshmen, they're already into fatherhood. You know, that's another thing that we want to probably uh, talk about along with some other, uh, some other important topics in the future. But, uh, uh, you know, let's just finish up with maybe saying a few things about leadership, uh, leadership within a team leadership within a family. Uh, you know, what does the word say about leadership where the head of the family is concerned, where, where the man is concerned? What, what's the word say about that? Coach C, <clears throat> leadership is, a, is an interesting term. Um, the Bible talks about leadership really when you're reading it from uh, Genesis to Revelation. You see good leadership, you see bad leadership, from Genesis to Revelation, right. you you see uh, Adam, who was created uh, as the first man, um, from a very real sense, suffering from a failure of leadership, uh, not being where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to do as what we would call the head of the house, as the leader that yep. God has placed, as the as the priest over the house. I think it's important um, for us to understand that we're all going to be leaders. Right. Because leadership has to do with one word influence. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be a leader, whether we want to be a leader or not. You're going to be a leader. The question we got to answer is what kind of leader, what kind of influence? Are we going to be a negative influence and lead people in the wrong direction, lead our families in the wrong direction, lead our sons and our daughters in the wrong direction? Or are we going to be a positive influence and, and move them closer to God and lead them in the right path and take them to a place where they can grow and develop and nurture them along the way. What kind of leader are we going to be? And I think that's yeah. a daily choice. I'll tell you a quick Probably. story. Okay. Quick story. My father was my father. Uh, Roosevelt Moss is his name is a tale of two leaders. From the time I was eight to 14, he was hooked on crack cocaine in and out of prison. All right. 14 years old. He comes back home. And he's the best man I've ever met since then. Bar none. He's been, he's been, uh, he's been clean, sober for 30 plus years now. And, and he, here's the blessing. Here's the blessing in that. What that shows me, and I remember this every day, is that with God, you can overcome anything. There's no place you can fall, right, that God can't rescue you from. So my dad came home from prison, from being a crackhead. He didn't just smoke crack. He was a crackhead. And here's what he did. He came home and every day decided he was going to get up and lead his family. He led us to church. He got up and went to work Monday through Friday. Then on Saturday mornings, he got me and my two brothers up and took us to and taught us how to work. Okay. A man who failed can also be a man who succeeds. I think the, the I think the proverbial writer says that you can fall, a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. That's what leadership is to me. I totally agree, um, Bemos. Jesus was the greatest leader of all. Um, through him, we learn how to build a team around you. Through him, we learn how a great leader humbles himself. Um, through him, we learn how a leader is to have compassion, patience. Um, just through him, we learn so much. And I believe in the time that we're living in now, because you got to understand in a couple of years from now, we're all going to go back to the drawing table when it comes to leadership from the top, meaning going back to the presidential election. So we're getting ready to go back through that again. And we all know what we went through two years ago in leadership. 
So I think leadership starts, first of all, a good leader starts on his knees because he or she does not know. And I say she because there's some great women of God who has had to play both roles, mom and dad, and they had to seek God's favor, wisdom, knowledge to be able to lead their family. Even B. Moss saying his dad was out, so your mom rose up. And the Spirit of God, you know, she had to do what she had to do to provide, to protect, to do all the things that she had to do for you and your brothers. And so I feel this is a season where leadership needs to really be evaluated uh, we need to really search our heart, search our home. I got a son and I got a daughter and I've got to make sure before I teach people at Kingdom Life, I've got to make sure, as I believe Pernell said earlier, at home I'm teaching it. That's my first and greatest ministry at home. What legacy will you leave? Coach C, you have done such an awesome job. I don't even believe you know the impact you've made in all of our lives, that you took a tangible thing such as weightlifting 300s and how you challenged our minds, challenged our hearts. And even now, at being 44 years of age, I dig deep within myself based on how I dug deep when, you know, I had, I was on 300s, I was on nine, had to get to 10. How you had to dig deep within yourself to overcome your body, mind over body. So those small tangible things makes a great leader. And sports, believe it or not, teaches us those things. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, I will just mention that when the scouts came and talked to me and asked me about Pernell Griffin and said, is that guy a leader? I was like, he's not only a leader. Uh, he is a, he is a vocal leader. You know, he's not just a leader by example. He's a, he's a vocal leader. And uh, you had a presence on that team, Pernell. And uh, I'm never going to forget that presence you had because it, it had great value. And when I was over there on that sideline, uh, you know, Carolina, I looked out there and see you leading that defense. I like, I don't know, man, we're in trouble, man. We might be in trouble. <laughs> so, so uh, ain't no doubt about it. But uh, so I'm going to go ahead and sign off. This is Jeff Connor signing off for Absolute Empowerment and ArmoredLife.org. And in the words of my favorite song, your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips, like a sound of a symphony in my ears and holy water on my skin. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God bless. Later God on. bless. Love you guys, man. Appreciate you. Hey, love y'all, man. Love you, man. Yes, sir. All right. We'll do it again. You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show and go Pirates!